today on Commitment to Truth. If you are not willing to take ownership of your own personal sin, it is an indicator that God is not moving in you. Humble yourself so that he can move. If I'm not willing to humble myself, there's no so that. And if you're waiting for the so that to manifest in your life, it starts with humility. Welcome to Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Each week, Pastor Cedric Brown and the pastoral team at Commitment Church strive to draw you into a deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Cedric, lead pastor of Commitment Church, with today's message. Today we're going to start a new series. I've entitled it for you, Please God Move. Please, God, move. Today, you may be questioning, why isn't God noticeably moving in your life? But I would like to always say, is he really not moving? Because God is always moving in some unique way. Listen, Joshua chapter 24, verses 13 and 14 reminds us of this, with these words. I gave you land on which you had not labored, and cities which you had not built, and you have lived in them, you're eating of vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. So at the end of the day, you know what? There are many things that God is doing in your life and you didn't even ask for. You did nothing but wake up to receive them. Matter of fact, Truth be told, he woke us up to receive what we didn't even earn or deserve, right? But here's the deal. Could God then still be wanting to move in even more amazing ways in our lives? I would have to say yes, because there are things that I'm sure that are in your hearts and minds and souls that you and God only knows that you would hope and desire that he would do for you. Maybe for your family, maybe for our church, right? Maybe for children yet unborn you're praying for. That you want God to move in a special, unique way, but why isn't he? Why isn't he? You see, we further read in Isaiah chapter 65, verse 24, and understand this. Uh, the context of Isaiah is this, is that, uh, you know, the children of Israel was off the chain. They were super hyperly wicked, right? So probably the first 39 chapters, he was dealing with their sin. But this is what he surmised. He says, it will also come to pass that before they call, before they call his children, before you call his children, I will answer while they are still speaking, I'll listen. So I, I humbly believe that there, there are things before you even ask God wants to move in and do. There's things that you have asked of him. He's heard you. But why isn't it manifesting? Could it be that there's a 39 chapters of your life that you need to first deal with? before you can confidently look at this verse and say, wow, yeah, God, I, I honestly and truly believe that you want to move now because it will come to pass before I even call on you. You're going to answer me. Can you imagine 
If you could just approach the throne room of grace that way, that before you even call on him, he's answering you. Why? Because he knows your thoughts before what? You think them. He knows the desires of all of our hearts simultaneously. Why can't God answer us even before we ask him? Can you imagine if we, we as a church just start seeing God move that way? Can you imagine in your home, your family, in, in, in your careers, and whatever concerns you today, that God is just moving even before you ask him to move? That's what God does. That's what God desires for those who follow him. So here's our challenge. There is some responsibility that we have before we see God uh, move in special ways, right? He wants to first move in us so he can move through us, so he can move for us. So in this sermon series, again, if I entitled for you, Please God Move, we're going to focus on three biblical principles. The first is God move in me. In other words, God, help me be willing to deal with me. Or more specifically, God, help me to be willing to deal with sin in me. Secondly, God, move through me. God, I want you to ultimately mold me so you can use me. Mold me to use me. And lastly, God, move for me. But as he moves for me, help me to never forget. Never forget. And there's two parts of forgetting we'll look at. Uh, forgetting what he has already done and forget what he's promised to do. You should never forget because God is always moving in a believer's life, always. Or if he choose to not do anything, he's already done all things for you, which is save you from sin and death. Amen. It's just all he does for us. Praise the Lord. We should rejoice still. Make sense? So again, first stop today will be God move in me. Help me to be willing to deal with me, not my wife, not my children, not my parents, not my employer, not my friend. Deal with me. But God's grace, let me never be the reason why you're not moving. So can you imagine if we all focused on me, meaning you, <laughs> Right? The me's, right? Can you imagine if we all simultaneously are we're dealing with the me's, the you's? Can you just imagine the healing that can take place in, in families and generations and relationships? As everybody just stopped and said, you know what? Uh, I got enough issues of my own. Let me deal with me. If you can open first to Matthew chapter 7. Verses 1 through 5. And these are going to be some familiar passages, but hopefully as we dig deeper with a different lens and heart, uh, may, may God use them in a special way today in our lives. Amen? So here it is. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5 says, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. Now, we're going to get, dig deeper what this means, okay? Because a lot of people say, well, I'm not going to judge because the Bible says we don't judge. But there's other places just to let you know that he does says judgment comes first to the household of faith 
and we should judge each other. So, but we're going to dig deeper to understand what the text is really saying. Verse 2 says, for in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck at that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and look, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will clearly see or see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Let's go deeper. So for us to be at the place that we're willing to say, God, moving me first, this is our first stop. Am I willing to first judge my own sin? Listen, this does not negate or neglect that other people are sinning too around you. But God, give me the courage to first judge my own sin because I got enough of it. Right? Help me to judge my own sin. Now let's dig deeper. See, judging my own sin first is simply saying this. I am learning how to self-measure me. What do I mean by that? Verse 1 says this. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. The word judge and judged in verse 1 and 2 means this. It means to pronounce an opinion concerning right and wrong. Everybody's got an opinion about somebody. But what about the opinion about my right and wrong? We're the first to say, well, you're wrong. You're not doing it right. But what about me? It also is defined this way. More commonly, we, we bent and bend towards the wrong, right? So when we see someone else doing something or we're judging someone, someone else, our tendency is to be bent more towards what they're doing wrong. This is the type of judge he says, judging we should not be doing. It goes further. Again, the word judge and judged means this, to discriminate between good and evil. Again, the bent towards, well, you're doing evil. Versus, could they be confused about something and their desire really is to do good? The word judge, it's in the verb tense of contemporaneous actions, which means this. It is a continuous or repeated action. So in other words, don't continuously, repeatedly judge people. Don't continuously, repeatedly judge people. Didn't say don't judge, but don't continuously, repeatedly Find yourself thinking wrong about someone. And if you have that tendency as a person that you're always looking at someone and you're judging them and you're always saying something's wrong with them, chances are something's wrong with you. The tense of the word judged means this, an action that happens at a specific 
point in time. So let me stitch it together. So in other words, if I'm a person who is contemporaneously judging someone, in other words, I continuously repeating, repeatedly judging someone, there will be a specific time that I will be what? Judged. You see how it's, it comes together? So if I'm going to be always judging someone, there's going to be a point in time, maybe when I need grace, someone's going to do what? Judge me. So be careful not to repeatedly judge someone and always judge the bad in someone because there's going to come a point in time in your life that you do, you do something bad and the, the harshness and the level to which you judge that person, you'll be judged in that moment. And you could just be having a bad day. You hear the balance? The word standard means this, the measure our capacity. In other words, we must learn how to self-measure. In other words, by the same measure that I want someone to measure me and judge me, that same standard, I need to be careful because that's the same way it will be reciprocated back to me. So let me be a person who is slow to judge, careful to judge, because if not, I will also be judged by that harsh measure. Now, that then says to you and I, though, that we must first do what? Again, take the plank from our own eyes. Not be afraid to judge, but first let judgment begin with who? Me. Because if I allow judgment to first begin with me, then I learn and I develop a capacity to be gracious in my judgment towards whom? Other people. But if I bypass myself, I'm going to be harsher on someone else. It's just the way our sin nature is. Our heart should simply say, God, first deal with me so I can appropriately deal with others. It says so that you may clearly see the speck in someone else's eye. Clearly see the speck in someone else's eye, which says to you and I, if we do not self-measure and judge ourselves first, we will never be able to clearly see to appropriately judge anyone else. So if there are people in your life that have sin, there are people in your life that you know that are doing absolutely wrong, make sure you're not. Because you will not have the capacity to judge appropriately. You just won't. We're not God. Galatians 6, 4 says this, but each one must examine his own work. His own work. This is especially for you and I who, who are the servers and we, we're the one that grinding with a 20% doing an 80% work. <laughs> now make sure that you first examine your own work and then he will have a reason for boasting but to himself alone and not to others. Then maybe you can step back and say, well, praise the Lord, I'm serving God and I'm serving him well. Judge your own self. Am I willing to first judge my own sin? If I am, here's our second point we find in verse 3. Judging my own sin first is to also become self-aware. 
Listen to what it says. But do you not notice? Do you not notice? The word notice means this, to observe, to consider, to fix one's eyes or mind upon. Do you not even notice what is in your own eye? So many followers of Jesus Christ are so unaware of themselves. Hyperly aware of everybody else. And what everybody else is doing wrong. But so many of us miss the mark when it comes to how am I doing? And here's the cool thing about when you read the text. It says log in our eye, speck. So it's, it's almost like saying you have the greater issue than your brother or sister has. So if you see something in your brother and sister, please be so, so self-aware that what you see in them, you probably have a bigger issue that is similar in some way. Because speck and dust is only a byproduct of what? A log. In our hearts, it, the scripture says this, if our hearts condemn us, in 1 John chapter 3, verses 21 and 22, it says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we shall receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sights. So, so again, if I'm looking at myself, it, do, do I condemn myself? Am I... Do, so aware of myself that I know I'm good with God. Because again, what this displays to us in 1 John chapter 3 is that if I'm not really good from God, how can I even confidently know that he's going to hear me and respond to me? Judging my own sin first says that I'm becoming more aware of me. And this is scary, church. You know why? It's because once you become aware of you, then you and I begin to see how sinful and bad and wicked we really are deep down inside. So we're afraid to go there many times. We're afraid to go there where we should go to become self-aware. So again, am I willing to first judge my own sin, which simply says and communicates to you and I that I'm learning to become self-aware, that I'm also uh, being a person that is self-measured. And then here's the third point as it relates to, am I being willing to first judge my own sin? You look at verse five, am I willing to self-govern? The sin nature of man, it almost like, we, have this, we think we have this right to govern everybody's affairs. Right? You know, it's like, oh, I can't believe he said that. Well, he said it. I can't believe they're, they're doing that. I can't believe they're living that way. I can't believe they're all in sin. I can't believe. I can't believe. Like we're God or something. Right? But when you look at verse 5, it says, you hypocrite. The word hypocrite means this, you bad actor, you stage player, you pretender, you two-faced person. Now, now remember, the, the, the logo or the image of a, of a stage play or uh, an artist or an actor is what? It's two faces. 
which comes from the Greek word two-faced. You're two-faced. You're a bad actor. You're a pretender. So it's saying you pretender, which really says you know you're a sinner anyway, and you're trying to act like you're not. You're trying to pretend, right, that you're not. You hypocrite, you pretender, you actor, you stage player, you two-faced it. First, take the lock out of your own eye. Govern your own soul. First. Because here's the, the truth. God's not going to judge you based upon how well you judge somebody else. <laughs> He's going to judge you and I based upon how well we judged ourselves and dealt with sin in our own lives. So self-govern, learn to self-govern. The, the word I means it's the eye of the mind or heart. It means it is the power or the perceiving of understanding. So deal with your own perception. Deal with your own understanding. Deal with your own mind. Deal with your own heart. There's enough going on in your own mind, in your own hearts that will keep you busy until you see Jesus face to face. Self-govern. In other words, don't pretend. Courageously test yourself. Hello, my name is Sarah Vega, and I am the Administrative and Executive Director here at Commitment Church. I hope you've enjoyed today's message by Pastor Cedric Brown. If you didn't know, Pastor Cedric also sends out encouraging videos weekly. We call these the Weekly Wire. We can send these encouraging videos directly to you by subscribing at www.loveallnations.org. Here's an example of the encouragement you'll receive. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cedric with another Weekly Wire. Have you ever slipped and said some things that you regretted soon after? Have you ever done some things that, again, that you are holding on to with so much regret? I know I have. I've said so many things, done so many things that even today I reflect upon them and I still regret that I said it and that I done it. But there's hope for you and me because in the book of Psalms it says, if I say that my foot has slipped, O Lord, I know that your loving kindness will hold me up. So again, think about that. If we slipped, if we turned to God through Christ, his loving kindness will hold us up, will nurture us and care for us even after we have slipped and fell. But maybe you're a type of person who says, well, I've never slipped at anything. Well, there's a warning to you and to me as well. It says, let he who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. So at the end of the day, we live life long enough. We will slip in what we say. We will slip in what we do. But the hope we now have is that if I would say, if I would admit that I have slipped, his loving kindness will hold me up. So the next time you slip in what you say and what you do, admit it. Admit that your foot has slipped. Turn to him who will show you loving kindness. We hope you enjoyed the sample of our Weekly Wire. Again, to subscribe to your weekly inspiration, refreshment, and encouragement, please visit 
www.loveallnations.org. Thank you again for listening to our series, From Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. Please tune in next week to hear the continuation of our series, Refreshing. It's what we need and what we should give. If you want to listen to the previous messages in this series, or if you want to hear messages from other series, visit Commitment Church on YouTube or Pastor Cedric Brown on Spotify, Pandora, or other podcast providers. You can also visit us on our website, commitmentchurch.org. And if you live in the Philadelphia, Delaware, or South Jersey area, we would love to see you in person as well. You can attend any of our services by visiting us at 2 Berlin Road South, Lindenwald, New Jersey, 08021. Thank you again for listening, and have a blessed and wonderful day.